Get your day started right. This is VOC Breakfast with Gulam Fakir and Sabira Sheikh Only on the Voice of the Cape. 14 minutes after 7 is where we're at this morning. If you've just joined us, welcome into it. VOC Breakfast with you until 9am this morning. We move along now to our next feature. Now, for... The last couple of years, there have been some whispers and conversations around the deregulation of petrol prices and whether this would lead to a lower fuel price. It's been debated here and there. And of course, road users and consumers are feeling the pressure of the increases. Many households, as we've seen and heard, are having to cut back on other expenses to fund private or public travel costs with consumers using eliminating paraffin amongst those hardest hit. Now, several options to Reduce the fuel price have been put forward, but the reality, unfortunately, is that the fuel price makeup is complex, and perhaps you know a single solution will not necessarily solve the problem. As we've come to see this weekend, I mean, petrol price reaching an all-time high of close to 17 rand per liter, and of course, this comes amidst the other additional increases such as your electricity, water, food, etc. But joining us online this morning to unpack, you know, the conversation around. Possibly deregulating petrol costs, the pros and the cons and everything else is an energy expert, and that is Ted Blum. Ted, good morning. Good to be chatting. Hi, good morning to you. So, of course, before we get into, you know, the actual conversation around deregulation, what exactly, you know, does it mean? Um, perhaps, you know, just establishing firstly that, you know, it's important to understand increasing fuel prices are not the issue, um, but it is an economic one, firstly. Oh, absolutely. I mean, uh, I think uh, similar to electricity, there's not one sector in the economy that's not affected by the fuel fuel, uh, costs uh, one way or the other. I'd say that electricity seems to now be making up uh, anything between uh, 10 and 50 percent of uh, certain operations costs. And and similarly, I mean, for the taxi industry, I mean, it must be more than 80 percent of their costs and for the airline industry. So, yes, um, it has a massive impact on the economy, and um, and any cleaning up and reduction in, in, in the fuel price uh, also then, uh, conversely, has a massive uh, positive impact on, on the economy. So uh, I think it's time to, for us to uh, uh, play, pay closer scrutiny to the fuel price and the way that it's made up, because more than half of the fuel price is actually not for, for the actual fuel content, but mm. it's made up of ad valorem taxes, excise duties, and then um, the road accident uh, fund uh, contributions, et cetera, et cetera. So it's, it's a bureaucracy gone mad, just like Eskom. Mm. The Eskom tariff includes also a whole host of social uh, costs. Mm-hmm. Now, you know, alluding to what you've just said with regards to the fuel levies, I mean, for the layman, when we speak about fuel levies that are associated with fuel pricing, by definition, what exactly are we speaking about? Okay, so um, it's just another form of taxation. Uh, the government mm-hmm. uses your fuel uh, consumption uh, uh, behavior as a way to just milk you dry. I mean, uh, they already tax you on everything else, but they know that fuel is essential. You can't avoid it. So, uh, yes, uh, uh, as I said, uh, the, uh, uh, the non-fuel component in the fuel price is, is more than 50%. Uh, in fact, it's probably closer to 70%. Uh, and it's a bit opaque because uh, 
It goes through the uh, the Central Energy Fund. The revenue goes through the Central Energy Fund. And that's another fund that needs to be investigated for corruption, uh, just like the Lotteries Fund. Uh, when I last had uh, interface with them, uh, it was shocking, uh, the amount of money that was disappearing left, right and center into all sorts of uh, uh, rabbit holes. Mm-hmm. Now, let's speak about, you know, the discussion around deregulating fuel. I mean, we know for the better part of the past, what, three years, there has been or have been some debates that have been doing the rounds around scrapping the indirect taxes on fuel. But of course, it's also come about that this is not necessarily going to translate into easing the pressure on consumers. Well, it depends on how you look at it. You know, if you're, what typically has happened in the rest of the world is when fuel prices have been deregulated, uh, um, yeah, there have been some job losses. Uh, the fuel jockeys, for instance, uh, uh, tend to uh, lose out in, in, in that battle insofar as uh, it's one garage then competing with the next garage mm. uh, to have the lowest fuel price and entice you, the buyer, to pop in and uh, fill up. Um, but the, the the converse is that if we clean up the thing properly, if, if it's a proper job, uh, the boost to the economy uh, could easily be another one to two percent uh, growth in GDP, uh, which will then create more than ample new jobs in the economy, uh, to which those fuel jockeys who lost their jobs at the garages could then possibly apply and and possibly be much better off. Uh, you know, in the average garage, I mean, the fuel jockey is probably Busy uh, less than 10, 15 percent of the time. They're just sitting around there waiting for cars to arrive. They are peak hours, and then they're massive off-peak hours. So they're not the most productively deployed people in the economy. And if they could be more uh, uh, productively employed in running their own business or having uh, another job in another sector that uh, deploys them, uh, can employ them more full-time, uh, there could be massive spin-offs to the economy. The problem we've got in this economy is, uh, firstly, a lack of growth. Uh, there's no growth. And since ANC government has taken over uh, in the last uh, 10 years or so, in fact, since 2008, the GDP is uh, contracted. And, uh, and and more and more people are, are unemployed. So uh, the the job to clean clean up the economy is, is the, the, the 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 obstacle between a prosperous South Africa where everybody has a job and everybody is gainfully employed to uh, a current South Africa where unemployment is over fifty percent and and rising. Uh, people are underemployed and not uh, gainfully employed to the best of their abilities. We become more uncompetitive in our exports and trading partners' uh, relationships, and we go down the rabbit hole uh, as we sink into the fourth mm. world. Hmm. Ted, just before we look at the pros and cons, you know, for argument's sake, in the short term, the scrapping of these levies, you know, to perhaps reduce the fuel price, but government's still going to have to collect this revenue from somewhere. You know, is there... A- a win situation. I mean, you know, are consumers going to be happier with these taxes, for instance, um, being raised in terms of VAT or uh, personal income tax, for instance? Well, that's, I think, where, where we need to think out of the box with respect to my suggest that, is that uh, everybody thinks that, uh, uh, you know, uh, yeah, if government loses revenue on this side, they need to make it up on the other side. And that that is the sort of uh, logical argument in a clean-run economy. But you know and I know mm. that this government with this budget is messing out, I don't want to use the right word, but is uh, actually wasting uh, billions and billions of rands through inefficiency, corruption, overpayments, disincentives, etc. 
So to say that, yes, if they lose a penny here, they need to gain a penny on the other side. The fact of the matter is, if Minister Mbaweni uh, was as good as he claims to be, he would go for a zero-budget uh, process where you start from scratch and you only include essentials. I mean, we've got the biggest educational budget in the world as a percentage of GDP. And we're putting out the most pathetic uh, results on the, uh, in terms of, of our graduates and learners and, and their capabilities. I mean, I think on, even on the African continent, on a, uh, just on a parity basis, our, our learners or our students fare the worst of, of virtually all the countries that have been compared in, on an international uh, benchmark basis. And yet we've got the, the biggest educational budget by far. In fact, I'm going to put my, my, my head on the block. I would say that more than 30% of our educational budget probably leaks out into corruption. And where have you seen it? You've seen it in the, in the, in the COVID things where it costs them 400 million in Gauteng to clean schools, where the effective amount that was actually spent could have been, should have been no more than four or, or four or five million odd rand. I mean, it's just pathetic the level of inefficiency and stealing going on. I just wanted to come in very quickly. Good morning, Ted. Um, on something, I mean, this is not something new. In 2018, you know, we, we saw that the prices also skyrocketed for the first time, you know, um, over the 15 rand mark. And, um, you know, the uh, President Ramaphosa at the time, he asked his ministers to basically come up with measures to, show, to sort of cushion the financial blow to motorists, right? He went as far as going to ask Saudi Arabia for argument's sake, which uh, South Africa imports half of its oil from, to produce more oil and therefore affect the supply-demand balance to reduce the oil price. But now the thing is, we've never gotten feedback on any of these measures. Yeah, I mean, it's like people, there's certain analysts that have now become very vocal and complaining about, on a similar basis, that Oracle has overcharged Eskim and Eskim is a you know, third world economy trying to feed the people. Uh, you know what, in a fair, free market, uh, there is no such thing as subsidies or rebates or whatever. You, you, you charge what the market takes. And I can't see any incentive uh, for the Middle East countries to lower the fuel price or oil price to South Africa. I mean, let's just go back to the Oracle things, and, and, and I don't want to deviate from the topic, but I want to use the example. Uh, Oracle's uh, global turnover is $39 billion uh, last year, $39 billion. Uh, Eskom's uh, uh, invoice, which Eskom can't pay because they're so bankrupt, is 7 billion rand. Uh, that is uh, less than $500 million. I mean, it's a pimple to Oracle. And for, for us to expect everybody to give us poor South Africans who are being corrupted and stolen blind by our own government discounts left, right, and center because we third world, that's a pot of nonsense. We don't give them discounts on the gold that we produce and sell into the world market. So, uh, you know, um, all those things are all just uh, red tape and, and, and noise in, in the equation. In a fair economy, I mean, people, the labor unions, want full price for the labor that they sell. They don't want to uh, sell their labor at a discounted price. So this whole argument of, of discounting is just a red herring. It's a socialist phenomenon mm. that uh, everybody must be on handouts. Uh, the real economy doesn't work like that. Mm. Now, let's look at the pros and cons in terms of both sides of the coin, Ted. I mean, regulation, for instance, providing transparency for road users and those who use fuel. Um, but then in a deregulated environment, you know, wholesalers and retailers then determine their own pricing. 
No, absolutely. And certainly on the fuel station side, uh, there are, mm, I think there's over 3,000 sites in the country. And, and that's, that's a recipe for good competition. Uh, they already have their boards up. When you go past any fuel station, you can now see what the going price is. Except that in South Africa, all those prices are the same. If you were traveling in America, and I've had the fortune to, to study there, uh, you would then, as you drive down the road, you would watch the fuel uh, prices on the boards, and you'd go to the one that offers you the best deal. And, 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 and that, is, that is far more uh, beneficial to the economy. Uh, with respect, you talked about regulation and, and, and transparency. Mm. I think that's a contradiction in terms. As soon as you've got regulation, you've got no transparency. You don't know what's going on to the fuel price. Mm. Most people aren't aware that more than half of the fuel price actually goes to non-fuel issues. And the same thing with the electricity uh, thing. Uh, the cost of electricity out of two rand that you and I pay per kilowatt hour Less than 40 cents of it is actually used to generate electricity. The rest goes into fat cash salaries, overheads, corruption, uh, kickbacks to government ministers, etc., etc. It's just a total intransparent uh, quagmire. Mm. Obviously, this sounds a lot like our electricity issue here in South Africa. Ted. I mean, where to from here? What do we do? Civil action, what is the way forward? Well, that's why I've called for the energy revolution. We need to take on... You see, we now... Very, South Africans are very passive citizens. We sit on our beyonds and we wait for the government to decide. The fact of the matter is we should decide, not the government decides. We are the people. We control South Africa. And I had that argument when I lectured in Australia a few years ago. And uh, the Australian Prime Minister actually came to my support and said, the people own the minerals. The people own the economy. The government are mere servants in that process. So uh, we need to just, uh, and Mandela tried to do that as well, with his Butterpella uh, sort of philosophy, is that uh, the, the public service is supposed to be the, the servants of the people. But uh, it seems to me that that, uh, that thing has been overturned, and we now the victims of a corrupt and overbloated. I mean, our civil service, <laughs> you can't believe it, our civil service is bigger than America's civil service. And they've got 300 million people versus our 60-odd million mm. people. And more expensive than Germany's per head. I mean, it's unbelievable. It's the worst yeah. of the worst. And uh, just before the break, Ted, um, you know, I, I mentioned about you know somebody asking also about why it is that diesel, for example, is not being um, regulated as strictly as what petrol is. To get to the issue of diesel, okay, so diesel uh, is, is deregulated, and even the diesel market is, is very complex. Uh, mm. Most of the diesel made in South Africa, by amongst others, people like Cecil and so on, it's got quite a high sulfur content. So the irony is we export most of that high sulfur diesel into Africa where they're not so uh, conscious of environmental issues. And then we go and import at a hell of a cost, uh, low sulfur diesel, uh, 50 parts per million and 10 parts per million. Mm. Uh, and, and, and as a result of that uh, sort of very complex uh, market structure, what has happened is that, and you won't believe it, that some of that high sulfur diesel that shouldn't be sold in South Africa actually goes through the, 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 the underground structures and surfaces as very discounted diesel uh, in, in the marketplace. So, yes, there, there's some garages, there's a number of garages, and the big users of diesel know where they are. Uh, that actually sell discounted diesel, but if you go and analyze it, it's not uh, the stuff that's supposed to be sold, low sulfur, but it's in fact 
which in fact I sell for diesel. Right. And you and I wouldn't know the difference other than you and I might exactly. cough a little bit more. Yeah. Ted, let's leave it at that. It's a discussion that we should have a little bit more in depth with more time also available, um, you know, to, to basically flesh out everything else that goes around it because it doesn't just stop there. It was a very interesting discussion um, that we had with Ted Blom um, who basically spoke about the deregulating of petrol costs here since we've reached an all-time high of 16 and 60 a litre come or last Wednesday pass actually.